0: Welcome back. You're listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel if you have not already. And ring the notification bell in the upper right-hand corner so you're notified each time a brand new episode goes live on YouTube. And if you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. Donate any dollar amount, ask a question, and we will answer your question at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more, and we will dedicate the episode to you. And with that, I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer.
1: Hello, Nate. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on as always. It's
0: Always a pleasure having you. And today we have a special guest joining us. We have Digital Foundry's own John Linneman.
2: Gentlemen, how's it going? It's good to be here. Uh, I definitely do not hate the Nate, but I'm happy to be on <laughs> Nate the Hate. So. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. So, you know, we got some fun stuff to talk about there, don't we?
0: we do and we had a lot of fun the last time you we were on the show which was nintendo september direct where we had a good laugh about a few games where i just oh, yes. completely destroyed your <laughs> love for front mission where you had so much hope for forever entertainment's release well
2: we can look at it now that it has actually shipped and i have played it <laughs> and it is in fact disappointing because it has zero style it's it's like, how can we make this look the most like a mobile game? And oh,
0: no. So, so they forever entertainment. It.
2: Apologies to mobile developers. Some of you do great work. But you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> and that was the show's roast. <laughs> but yes, we have a very interesting and hopefully educational episode today. And we're going to talk about the... Nintendo Switch quote unquote pro and what happened to it? Did it exist? And I'm going to start this episode by giving a general timeline of events as to how this entire topic was birthed. And it started in 2021, where this channel began to report that there were some rumblings throughout the development industry of Nintendo distributing dev kits for new hardware where it would have 4k support achieved with nvidia's dlss solution now bloomberg would later report in 2020 or 2021 i'm sorry that they were hearing the same thing that nintendo was preparing brand new hardware with these features these conversations ramped up in 2021 where bloomberg continued to report that this was the case And some of these reports were corroborated by Nikkei out of Japan. But it began to get more interesting as we got closer to the summer months, where Bloomberg was reporting that it appeared that a release was imminent. This ended up being a false trail, and this led to the introduction of the OLED model. This was a case of conflation where developers were working with these new kits that had the 4K DLSS features, as well as suppliers preparing for new hardware. So one plus one equals two, unfortunately, that was not the proper equation at the time. And this led to a lot of outrage due to the misrepresentation of the information. Later in 2021, Bloomberg doubled down, and they cited that they had 12 developer contacts that had access to this new dev kit, which included 4K DLSS support again. And they also gave a timeline as to when the hardware could be introduced. And in the report, Bloomberg was citing that they were hearing late 2022. About a month later, I was able to independently corroborate that information, but I was giving a slightly different timeline, which was late 2022, early 2023. Now we go into 2022. The year begins with an NVIDIA data breach where information was stolen. In some of the stolen files, there was mention of NVN 2, which would be the successor to NVN, which is used for the Switch SoC for NVIDIA's SDK.
2: Yeah, that's the low-level API, though it does support others as well, including Vulkan.
1: Yep. Yes. OpenGL, Vulkan, NVN are the three that you can use on Switch.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, in 2022, things continued to get more interesting. And I want to now pivot to my co-host here, who at GDC, which would also be in March of 2022, began to hear some things on his own.
1: Yeah, that, that's correct. So last year at GDC in, in 2022, I did talk to some developers and I want to be very clear, Nate, when I say this, I never heard the words Switch Pro mentioned because, mm-hmm. I mean, what is that, right? Like that, that, that's not even anything that, that has been formulated as far as what, what that means. But I was told by um, a few developers at GDC last year that they did have a updated development kit that they were working with. And that's kind of the extent of of what I was told, um, but I kind of assumed, I made the assumption that oh, they're you know they're working on I was, I'm going to use the word Switch Pro, but they're using Switch in air quotes Pro uh, hardware because it seemed like it was just a natural kind of evolution of what was going on with the Nintendo Switch. But yes, I did hear um, that there were. People using next gen, I'll just call it next gen hardware, next generation hardware, or next, whatever hardware that is at GDC
0: last year. Mm-hmm. And you see, that would also match what I was being told earlier, where my contacts were just saying, we have a new dev kit for a new switch. Mm-hmm. In their opinion, it viewed as though they were seeing it as more of a revision than a successor, but they always would go back to, It depends on how Nintendo wants to put this out. It's up to them how they're going to brand it. But we have a Switch that has more power. It's more powerful and has these features. So they said it could be a pro, could be a successor. That's for Nintendo to figure out. All we know is we have a new dev kit for new Nintendo hardware that appears to be a Switch. Right. And, you know, I would say the Bloomberg reporting also... Supported that. That's how they were kind of framing is that we just have a more powerful switch that we're working with in their reports.
2: Now. Yeah, I think that's part of the confusion around this is that. Yes. uh, Maybe I was too loose using Switch Pro as a moniker and all all of us were at various points. Switch Pro is just such an easy thing to say, Right. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, But that doesn't mean that this was any there was actually a product called Switch Pro or that it was the nature of it was cross gen or sorry, like a mid console refresh kind of thing like that. That stuff is all kind of unknown, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And you see, that's the thing when you look to a PS4 Pro or even an Xbox One X, had those companies decided to position those as their next gen successors at the time they could have done so there was enough of a meaningful leap in terms of hardware performance and even new features like 4k support that those could have been successors had sony and microsoft wanted them to be they They chose not to
2: but also when you look at the dates they were released uh, relatively close to original machines like the pro was three years after ps4 right so if there was a new switch hardware this year uh that's quite a ways it's like six years after launch
0: yeah that's where the argument would come into is what makes a pro what makes a successor and shouldn't the pro have come out years prior if it is truly a mid-gen refresh as to opposed to a brand new start of a generation which you could easily get into the debate of is a Game Boy Color a next-gen successor to the Game Boy or was it more so a pro to the Game Boy? So Here we go again, Nate. Here that's a topic again. for a different day. <laughs> <laughs> I've always felt like the
1: pro, and this is just my interpretation, right? I've always felt like the pro is, yeah, it's that kind of mid-gen refresh, right? So it's still using an X1. Um, its memory bandwidth has been increased. The, the amount of memory has been increased. The clocks have been increased. Basically something that's got more oomph to it you know what i mean um but it's still binary compatible with the entire switch library nothing needs to be you know patched or rebuilt or anything like that um and you know that's kind of how i i kind of felt like a switch pro would be in Mm -hmm. in a pretty high level sense i'm sure there's probably more to it than that but that's that was always my kind of thoughts about what a switch pro would be
0: yeah, I think it goes back just to like what John was saying earlier, where the terminology was probably just used a little too liberally.
2: Yeah. Yep. I think that's right. And that, so that's that, what created a lot of the confusion around it, right? Like, Yeah. Just, I think it just became generic shorthand for new Switch, right? Yes. and Yeah. It could have been something like that, but it could also just be new hardware altogether because mm-hmm. consoles, uh, do go through this in their development phase right where there are revisions that that release dev kit wise that are incomplete and work can be done on those and then they're recalled and then a further iteration is done it's an iterative process right Mm -hmm. and
0: i think that leads into what happened as 2022 was continuing so in the summer months of 2022 when I was inquiring about some updates as to is the hardware still on track to release in the window I was told way back in 2021 I was beginning to hear more rumblings that this hardware is no longer scheduled to release that Nintendo had actually changed plan and that hardware wouldn't be coming out in 2022 or early 2023 that that plan had completely been cancelled And at first, when I was hearing it, it surprised me because, as MVG had just mentioned, back at GDC in March, developers were still working with these dev kits. So to go a few months forward and hear, you know, developers are no longer working with these kits, it seemed like a very abrupt face change. But this does happen in the industry, as you're mentioning. Mm -hmm. This isn't that uncommon. But for a public view... This may be new information that hardware and dev kits are recalled. Hardware is canceled internally. And that seems to be the case of what happened here is that all prior reporting from my view here was it was accurate at its time. It's just plans changed. That's what it seems like.
1: Yeah. And you're right. I mean, look, dev kits have, a life of their own in so many ways. I mean, the early dev kits that come out in general are literally just a bunch of motherboards, you know, tied together, you know, in some really weird fashion. Like a dev kit that that you kind of see on, on websites, you know, with photographs and stuff, they're nothing like kind of the, I'll call them the prototype ones that um, studios get early on to, you know, to kind of proof out, um, the the performance and and their games and stuff like that. So, look, the 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 concept of sending a dev sending dev kits back and kind of ceasing development for the time being it's not uncommon. It, it happens. So, I'm not really that surprised about um you know like from what I heard, like I said at GDC um through the end of the year last year, where you know we kind of discovered that it seems like that you know development had ceased on 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 this stuff is not really that
0: much of a surprise to me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I want to ask John a quick question, sure. only because a lot of this discussion kind of erupted yeah, through some comments you made on a recent Digital Foundry podcast where you had said, you know, based on some conversations you had, that it was in your opinion that a mid-gen refresh had been canceled and that you're no longer anticipating hardware coming out in 2023 based on timeline of events and anything that you may have heard on your own. Do you believe that this hardware may have been what you were hearing about or what you were referring to?
2: Yeah. I think everyone here has kind of uh, heard similar things from different places. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm and uh yeah i think and the timelines all kind of line up and you know it's a tricky thing to talk about actually and by saying the switch pro was canceled it's more like whatever iteration thing had been we heard about or things that had been reported on uh that thing the thing that bloomberg reported on as well i don't think that exists anymore and mm-hmm. i think i was trying to say People shouldn't expect anything in 2023 based on this stuff. Mm -hmm. Of course, none of this is 100%, right? We're not getting direct info from anyone here. Well, not official info, if you know what I mean. Right. Right. But as far as I can tell, just if I had to guess, we're not going to see anything this year. We'll be back after a quick break.
1: it doesn't quite work, and you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative a construction off. The no. way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Yeah. Do you think though there'd be an announcement this year though? Um, See
2: that, or that potentially twenty twenty four. That actually does seem feasible. Right. Especially if we follow the Switch's timeline, I could absolutely see them doing something this fall, you yeah. know, where they roll out some kind of early announcement teaser thing almost to save the date. Yeah. And then perhaps they do another, uh, you know, sort of demo event mm-hmm. early in 2024. I could see them releasing. I mean, again, no knowledge here on this, but I could see them releasing something next spring like they did with the original switch they seem to have found a good stride there and i wonder if you know obviously metroid prime 4 was completely redeveloped as we know yeah and i almost have to wonder if that's a game that could be used as a launch title right you know i mean it's because it's, it seems zelda's like it, doesn't it? too late right like yeah zelda's coming out right. this year uh that's and maybe that would even get a port or like an enhancement right i could see that but As far as launch stuff is concerned, it feels like Metroid Prime 4 would be a really good fit for that if it's actually ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: it's definitely going to be, you know, curious when Nintendo officially introduces their next gen or their new hardware, because with this early reporting that we had of dev kits having been distributed, and I want to make clear that this in no way was conflated for the OLED model because the dev kits for that, which are known as a dev did not have these features. It just had more Ram and those were distributed very close to the actual OLED announcement,
2: a dev and S dev. Just the differentiation between the higher end, more fully featured models and the less, the, the lighter weight ones. I know the mm. SDEV kits are are the much thicker switches. Yeah, right? they,
1: they they were the first ones to come out that had. Um, I mean, it was like like a steel cage almost. Yeah. Right? Um, but the the uh, the A dev is a dev kit that's based on the OLED model, so it looks exactly like an OLED switch, but it's development kit. And the E dev is kind of just a regular oh, switch
2: dev kit. That's that's what I was yeah. thinking of. E yeah. dev and S dev, right? Right. So the right. A is the uh, the OLED one, right? right exactly. Right. Okay. And
1: and I guess yep. the reason why they brought out the A dev dev kit um, for all intents and purposes, it's almost the same as an E dev. The only real difference is is the OLED screen um, right. and you know bigger flash and all that sort of stuff.
2: I suspect the idea there was just so developers can develop on that unit and see what the game might yeah. look like on that screen. Yeah. Because there are things to consider mm-hmm. if you're designing for that. Of
1: course. Yeah. And I know that um they added some, some things that they would test for with regards to things like burn in and stuff like that. So the reason why I guess they brought the adev out was so developers could Get an idea of, um, you know, burn-in implications and stuff like that on the OLED screens. But other than that, it's pretty much the same as right, right. the uh, the eDev.
2: Just getting my vowels confused. There. <laughs> I guess we'll have I don't know the iDev next.
1: Could be, could be eDev <laughs> for the pro. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there was there was no means of conflation between the A Dev kits and these other Dev kits, which had DLSS functionality, as the A Dev kits did not have those features. Because I saw some people speculating that the mid gen refresh that you had spoken of, that you know may or was no longer planned, that they believed you were referring to the OLED model, which, mm. as far as I can tell. The OLED model was never planned to be anything more than it was. It came out exactly as it was always intended.
2: Yeah, I think the OLED model was always its own thing. There was never it was never downgraded to something else. Right. Mm-hmm. And um I would also think that what again, the other hardware you're we talking about, we should reiterate that calling it a mid gen refresh, that's just pure speculation, right? Correct. It may or may not have been that. And so I think that's that's some of the confusion. There was just different hardware is what we've heard about.
0: Yeah, and it was just probably to simplify the conversation around it was just to say, let's call it a Switch Pro. Because when you think, you know, this was being discussed in 2021, four years into the Switch lifecycle, and if you would have had Bloomberg already reporting that Next generation Nintendo hardware dev kits had gone out to developers four years into the cycle. You probably would have had people reacting, saying, Oh no, it has to be a mid-gen refresh. It can't already be a successor. We just started this generation. The Switch is selling so well. Why would Nintendo really be kickstarting their next successor this early on? But now, six years into it, it makes more sense to think that Nintendo. Was already starting to their work on a next gen successor. And this was, you know, pre pandemic, pre component mm-hmm. shortage, yeah. cost rise, war, a lot of external factors that could have had an influence on what ended up happening with this hardware and led to its cancellation. And I naturally have to bring this up because I know it's going to be a question and it's going to be something listeners are thinking about. Is that in the NVIDIA breach, there is a mention of an SOC codenamed Drake. And Drake has ray tracing. It has DLSS. So naturally, it would sound as though the dev kits that we have been discussing up to this point would be equipped with this Drake SOC. But obviously, you know, none of us have firsthand confirmation of what the SOC was in these kits we could right. only assume just as anyone else is assuming up to this point yep
1: yeah that that's true i mean again i was i don't know i didn't know specifics about what what these dev kits had as far as hardware again mm-hmm. i kind of assumed that it was just it was still x1 but they had made some uh performance boosts in spe- specific areas where the switch kind of struggles especially around things like memory bandwidth and 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 RAM and stuff like that but um, you're quite right Nate I mean it it really could be anything at this point. Um, it could have been
0: the USOC as well. see, I do wonder if what Nintendo was working with and had distributed with these kits it had you know all the features we discussed and it, maybe the SOC simply evolved became more efficient over time. And that is where Nintendo issues a recall because they're going to distribute better kits, but they also pivoted on the hardware itself, not necessarily right. the concept, but just a certain element of it. And that's why it's what it was intended for 2023. And now that's no longer in the game plan. And it will be coming out in you know the future, as you were mentioning, you know, just as a hypothetical release window of spring 2024 or even late 2024. And that is what happened. The hardware became better than what was originally projected, and that causes a delay. And because it was never officially announced internally, there isn't that much turmoil. It's just we're pivoting and it's going to be a little later than planned, but it's going to be something better.
2: Yeah. And conceivably, this all just sounds like a normal console cycle. When, Like Mm -hmm. you mentioned Mm -hmm. before, you know, this, the rumors were coming out after the switch was already four years old at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And you know it takes time to design these machines, so uh I can see where the confusion over it being a mid-gen refresh thing would have come from. But in, looking at it now, it's like, oh yeah, it makes sense that whatever that was would just be in a new console, right? Yeah, like because it they they would have been working on something. I yep. think it's fair to say, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's that's typically the sort of rollout time period. You know? Yeah, and. You know, the other thing that I,
1: I keep thinking about when I think about, you know, kits were sent back. And look, the thing that I, I always go back to is one of the biggest things that the Switch really needs is good battery life. So it yep. is it is possible to to assume that Nintendo did send out kits to... Studios so they could take a look at this hardware and start getting their head around it while Nintendo was still trying to figure out you know what kind of battery do we need or what kind of battery life do we need on this new hardware and maybe you know those tests had had completed, and they said, okay, we have everything we need we, we we're getting some metrics from from developers about you know how long um, the average game takes all that sort of stuff, and and they said, okay, now we you know we want to move on to phase two. So send us the kits back, and and we'll be in touch, type of thing. So you know, th- there's so many different scenarios where I could see Nintendo basically saying, look, you know, thank you for uh, for working with this stuff. Now send your stuff back, and we'll be in touch going forward with whatever's next.
2: Mm-hmm. And we can safely say that this sort of thing has happened with other manufacturers in the past. Yep. Absolutely so, yeah, it's not. It's not that unusual. I yeah, think I, mean, I think really the all the hype and excitement around this stuff just simply comes from the fact that people want something new. Yeah, out mm-hmm. of it, they see the state the switches in um as far as like porting games is concerned and it, it only makes sense that you would want something a little bit more uh powerful. Right at this point. So, it's a lot of wishful thinking there you know, combined with the typical console development business happening in the background. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's it's almost a weird case of you got good information almost too early. Right. And so that begins to hit the news cycle. And, you know, the information being reported is accurate. It just unfortunately at the end, and the end is the only thing that matters to people, is that the reporting ends up being inaccurate, but not due to fault in the reporting itself.
2: Right. When did the first Bloomberg report hit? Do you remember? I believe it was
0: first half of 2021.
2: Yeah. So it's been a while since that one. But there
0: was also some talk, I believe it may have even been in 2020 from Nikkei, where they were hearing that Nintendo had a minor revision And then they were working on something new, but the concept had not yet been finalized. And that sounded like it was still a few years off. And I think Bloomberg may have even had an article in. It may have been 2020 or even 2019, where they were talking about the light, but that there was also going to be something that more hardcore fans would be interested in. And a lot of people weren't really able to, you know read into what that meant was that the mariko revision that nintendo just prioritized battery life instead of boosting performance which you know they easily could have done had they chose to or was it just a case of again they were hearing some talk of something else behind the scenes coming into its own or being planned and somehow that got mixed up a little too early I love right. how
2: mysterious all this sounds. <laughs> if, you're just, if you're just tuning in, you're like, man, this is some shady stuff here. It's like, welcome to it. gaming. We'll, we'll talk about it on the street corner here, the back alley. About, Yo, you, yeah. got, you got that new Nintendo?
0: <laughs> yeah. How much are you willing to pay for it, though? <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely, I guess, like my key takeaway in this, and it's not even just. For myself it's so that others can understand the situation in its entirety is that what was being reported was accurate information for its time that these kits did exist new nintendo hardware was discussed and sent out to partners and at some point in 2022 nintendo made the call to recall these dev kits and cancel the intended plan of bringing out that hardware in 2023. And I know people are going to say, well, what does that make of the SOC that we sort of leak in the NVIDIA files? It doesn't mean anything changed on that front. The NVN two SOC known as Drake can still be in development at NVIDIA. They can still be testing it and it could just be repurposed for whatever Nintendo has coming next.
1: Oh Yeah. No doubt. I mean, NVN 1 runs on a multitude of different NVIDIA cards. Even though it's geared for the Switch, there is libraries that um, can compile against like Windows if you have the appropriate um, NVIDIA card, right? So I would expect the same thing with NVN 2 in this scenario. Mm
2: -hmm. Yep, I think so.
0: So we naturally have to bring up the discussion of there's no hardware in 2023. What is next for Nintendo? And we've kind of touched on this a slight bit, but do you believe, you know, that Nintendo can feasibly really survive 2023 and let's say the better half of 2024 with the current Switch hardware because sure. it's it's aging what? we we know it's ceiling now,
2: I think it's gonna be perfectly fine it's uh it's nearly the best selling console of all time mm-hmm. uh there are, there's a huge audience out there people want to still buy games for their their hardware uh I think the only problem it really presents is just ports for third parties because mm-hmm. you know we're not three yet we'll be we'll be three years out from the new console generation right mm-hmm. and there are probably projects that third parties have been working on that are now sort of targeting those platforms and maybe still cross gen but are perhaps a little bit beyond what would be feasible on the switch at least in a way that's pleasant so that could present a problem for some of them but i would say that the majority of the audience the the switch overall audience the selling point isn't necessarily, oh, I can I play the latest AAA game on my Switch. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I don't think that's why the Switch is popular right now. Right. Like maybe at the beginning that was a big thing, but now I think it's just it's the strength of Nintendo's own software combined with, you know, this the mountains of indie stuff and other types of games mm-hmm. that you can find on there that make it pretty appealing. Plus, you know, just the continued library. There's still stuff on there that people are playing. And we'll continue to play. So I'm going to
1: play uh, Devil's Advocate a little bit, John, and and ask please. you this: so, nine out of three when it came out, um, we, we, you and I both uh, made videos on its performance, and we yeah. were a little disappointed. And I think that's putting it pretty lightly. That, yeah. And I get it. You know, Platinum hasn't had the best record as far as you know, locking in a 60 FPS frame rate on any of their games, but Bane out of three felt really, really ambitious for the hardware. And it almost makes me feel like they made some sacrifices to, you know, in the final game to get it over the finish line. Um, there's also uh, other games that Nintendo have released first party games that uh, performance hasn't been, hasn't been great. And I think about, wait, you know, wait, which ones? Well, uh, age of calamity is one. Well, I guess that's not a,
2: see, that's, uh, that's, that's the thing, right? There's, age of calamity is koei tecmo right right and then stuff like pokemon that's game freak and they've Mm. always been inept at that in that regard (laughs) so i actually can't do you can you recall any actual internal nintendo titles that have had serious issues
1: no no not not at all actually i think you're right they all um run very very well you know but i also wonder um you know, is it, is it going to be this year where we start to see some of the first party releases uh, start to drop off as well? And I guess we'll have to, I think the big elephant in the room right now, at least will be Tears of the Kingdom, right? Because yeah. See, and that's, that's the most interesting one for me because on one hand, it's been so many years since Breath of the Wild, which started its development on the Wii U. It finished on there too finished on finished on there as well. So on one hand we expect Tears of the Kingdom to be a, a bit of a, a leap in terms of visuals and performance. In much in the same way if you take something like Uncharted 1 on the PlayStation 3 and then
0: look at, you know, The Last of Us on the PlayStation 3 or something. See, it's funny you bring up Tears of the Kingdom because when you were on your half-year excursion in Australia and missed the entire <laughs> month of September, Yep. when john was on we were talking about tears of the kingdom and how we don't see those generational leaps and visual fidelity that we used to see in prior generations on more modern hardware yeah and yeah. it's we kind of wondered is is that just a thing of the past now because uh,
2: i would say yes mm-hmm. and i don't think it's necessarily hardware to blame anymore it's more that the tools and practices within the industry have become far more advanced at this point. Right? You think when Uncharted 1 was made, you know, for Naughty Dog, they had never made a game using even just like programmable shaders. And right. the, the types of hardware features that the PS3 offered, that was the very first time they've done that. And a lot of the games released that generation, they were just doing tons of new stuff. Mm-hmm. So developers were basically figuring it out, so to speak, right? Best practices had not been established on any of that, and the research and development during that generation was insane. The amount of stuff that was being figured out about lighting and just like the way you handle materials. And you know, the first PBR game that shipped, I think, was Remember Me, which Mm -hmm. launched before the consoles, (laughs) the new con or PS4 and Xbox One had hit, right? Yeah, uh, Mm -hmm. and that became a, a standard thing. So I just feel like now at this point you can get given how not too complicated the switch hardware is i think developers could get a lot out of it right away yeah you know there's not that much to learn about it it seems like the biggest technical hurdles all come from converting certain types of rendering techniques over to the switch. Right. Like, yeah. If you're doing like a full on deferred render or something, that's really tough in a memory bandwidth constrained environment, like the switch. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that were the challenge.
1: the, The big thing, the big thing in video game, well, in rendering tech these days is because you have so much memory on, you know, consoles, you basically load up as many GPU instructions as you can in RAM and then just push it all in one go because you have so much memory bandwidth and you have so much memory. But obviously on the Switch, you don't have that luxury. You have to just keep that pipeline, that really kind of narrow pipeline fed without any type of stalling. And that's that's a different way to think about things. I mean, it was the way to think about things, you know, um, probably about seven or eight years ago. But now it's things have changed a lot, you know, so I think that's the biggest issue why switch ports don't come across very well, especially when you use um engine technology, because you know it's kind of implying that you've you're just batching up all these g p u instructions yep. um and just pushing them all and r- rather than kind of just keeping that pipeline you know fed with with instructions and, and moving along
2: that's the thing that's always interesting to think about with different hardware platforms and why you can't just like take the switch and compare it to like an xbox 360 and you know make it a one-to-one situation because you know the 360 is a far more dated gpu than was in the switch but there's other bottlenecks in the switch that maybe the 360 has a little bit less of you know Mm -hmm. and i think uh the analogy of calling it literally a pipe like a pipeline where it's you you need to get one thing to another place and there's going to be different bottlenecks along the way, depending on the platform and how fast you can shove that stuff through the pipe. And depending on where you get hung up, that can cause issues with different types of things that you might be trying to draw. So, and the switch obviously has plenty of limitations owing that it is a mobile thing <laughs> that's designed to consume less than like 10 Watts or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm which is nuts by the way when you think about when you look at the power consumption of the more powerful consoles out today versus what the switch has uh Mm -hmm. it is it's the switch is dated but i still somehow find that type of hardware running nice looking games at 60 frames per second in many cases to be like just still somehow magical i don't know yeah it's it's cool like when i yeah. I loaded up burnout paradise recently on the original <laughs> switch. And you just see a game like that running at 60 FPS on a mobile platform. And it, I don't know, I think it still looks good. <laughs> You're like, wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like that. So one strategy I thought about this before that developers could use with the switch and this year, probably too late if they haven't already started, but I feel like it's a perfect time to re-explore some of the Xbox 360 and PS3 era games that they might have in their back catalog. Mm-hmm. Like was the case with burnout where you could essentially do some sort of like packs or remasters or re-releases, uh, tool them up, get them on switch. Uh, and yeah, go from there. And I bet you could sell some pretty decent amount of copies of some of those games. Cause the nostalgia is kicking in for that mm-hmm. era. Right so mm-hmm. I think people seeing some top 360 style games like imagine if Activision was just like what if we did the the black ops trilogy on switch right now Something so they like they that. already exist right on the Wii and Wii U don't they uh, uh well the wii ops, the Wii game is is its own thing right it's but yeah not actually yeah. But yeah. black ops two was actually on Wii U yep mm-hmm. uh black ops three I could take it or leave it in and four is obviously totally different but even if they just did black ops one and two, like as a package, they wouldn't make bank on that on the switch. I'm a hundred percent positive.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, it would really have no competition. You yeah, exactly. Would, so you definitely have a large market who would pick up those games, even just for the online multiplayer to play it portably in handheld mode.
2: People love uh, those games. And I think there's a, there's a lot of games that are ripe for that on the current switch that if they had the foresight to develop them, for release in like 2023 uh you could probably <laughs> make some bank on on those games during a time when cross-platform becomes more difficult right like any is right. designing a series x ps5 game right now it's mm-hmm. still like targeting xbox one is now the equivalent of targeting switch you know three years ago
0: if yeah. you know what i mean right like yes, it's t- right yeah <laughs> so yeah See, that's, that's going to be the interesting thing, I think, for 2023 and 2024, leading up to when Nintendo does introduce new hardware, is that you're going to see third-party support wane in terms of those big AAA releases, because it's just not practical to target the switch hardware when you really want to take advantage of all those bells and whistles on the Series X and the PlayStation 5. So that's where you're seeing games like Dead Space Remake, Resident Evil 4 Remake, They're just not possible on the switch hardware. And I'm sure partners are communicating with Nintendo of, we would love to put these games on your platform, but you need to give us hardware to make this happen. And that's where you really have to wonder when can Nintendo realistically get hardware that, you know, can run these types of games? Because when we look at the leaked SOC, And the features it will have, there's going to be really nothing stopping that particular product from getting ports of these games. Because right now, roughly, you know, if you do rough calculations and you have to assume the clock speeds and everything, you could feasibly be getting hardware that is comparable to a PlayStation 4 Pro from Nintendo and that is more than enough to get down ports from the Series X and PS5. But it's almost as though Microsoft did Nintendo a favor in this case with the Series S. If you can get ports of a Series S version without too many compromises, it positions Nintendo in a very advantageous manner where they can then boost the software with DLSS and have hardware that is you know very competitive with the PS5 and Series X if uh, that is something that comes to market
2: DLSS is not necessarily magic though and it also has a computational cost right. and Series S already has access to things like FSR 2 from AMD right mm-hmm. which you know arguably not as good but i would say they're they're pretty ballpark you can get pretty great results out of FSR 2 so, uh, you know, it comes I at actually, a cost and,
1: and I guess inserting frames into, uh, the renderer also introduces input lag, right? Like, I, Oh yeah. It, if you're in DLSS three. Yes.
2: Uh, well, so that's actually an interesting one because if you have a, let's say you're taking a game from, we'll just, we'll talk high frame rates from 60 frames per second up to one twenty with DLSS three, mm-hmm. the DLSS three version, Running at 120 would actually have lower input lag than if you were just running at 60 FPS natively in our testing. Right. Right. So it's still an improvement. uh The problem there, I guess, is imp- the problem with DLS3 still is that uh, it doesn't work very well if your target frame rate is like 30 ish. Yeah. You know, I mean, it works yeah. okay visually, but the input lag, I mean, but then again, you're, would, if you had a, if you were going to have a choice between a 30 FPS game or looking like 60 with DLSS three, and mm-hmm. they both had similar input lag, I guess you would still want the DLSS three version. Right. 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 So the big thing I would like to see, and I don't know that this would necessarily happen is I really want them to, to put a VRR screen in that thing. Like wow. conceptually I mean, yeah. that shouldn't be that difficult or that expensive <laughs> to support that. Right. Uh, I feeling I have a feeling they would not do that, but man, that would be great because that could solve so many problems. I mean,
0: yeah, that would be great. As I mean, you'd also want the screen to have HDR.
2: I mean, yes that that would be nice. That would actually raise the potentially raise the price more. But I mean, conceivably, the Switch OLED screen being an OLED screen, I wonder if how how they could drive that. Hmm. I mean, that could already support an HDR like experience, maybe at a lower nit maximum knit level i'm not sure yeah because i but mean then, then again mm. they're they're afraid of the burn-in stuff still right i mean right, burn-in yes. is much less of an issue on oleds now but mm. still if you're pushing really high brightness levels it, the risk is greater right right <laughs>
0: well i mean i guess even if they don't have those features assuming you know that they keep the same concept that uh, it's a hybrid and all that Hopefully at least they have that support when the unit is docked. Yeah. That would at least be beneficial, even if it is only for docked game time.
2: And it is interesting. We're all talking about this as if it's basically just the switch again. And I suspect that's probably what it's going to be. See, and, that's the uh, thing,
1: isn't it? Like th- there's now that, you know, we've moved on from the switch pro, the, the kind of the assumption now it's the switch too, right? You know what I'm saying? Like the the Mm -hmm. next generation of switch and look, it's probably going to be that because why would they pivot away from something that's been so successful for them, but you can't rule out this is Nintendo. You know, they always kind of just give us something that's a little bit from left
2: field, you know? So that's the thing about it though, is that, um, that was only a specific era of Nintendo, Mm -hmm. right? Like Nintendo under uh, uh, Yamauchi yep. was mm-hmm. different. They're, all of their platforms actually targeted, save for maybe the Game Boy, but the actual home consoles were aiming to deliver high-tech experiences it right. had significant technical advantages over the competition. Mm-hmm. And they achieved that with each of their systems, uh, especially the GameCube, I would argue, which is a brilliant piece of engineering, absolutely mm-hmm. yes. amazing machine. It was only under uh, Iwata that you know they kind of shifted focus for a while. Yeah, and I I suspect with the current more conservative leadership in place, I could see them returning to well, we'll just do the super switch. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: You think they're gonna play it's, I mean, Furukawa's was a very very safe person as far that's as that's yeah. exactly. I mean, He's a he, safe
2: he, businessman. Yeah, he, he, he does bets business.
1: on he bets on sure things and it, and. It, it works, right? So based on, on that and how he kinda of runs the company, it's a good assumption to to think that whatever is next will be a hybrid handheld slash system that's probably gonna be called something switch, like the switch name will right, be right. in there. Mm-hmm. But you know
2: Switch you Yeah, yeah, oh, I, mean,
0: no, I, no, I don't no. know what they're gonna call it. <laughs> can't call it the switch (laughs) you
2: the new Nintendo switch (laughs) no I I think uh the thing here though is they've kind of made their bed now because they're ever since the original game boy their handheld and console divisions have been split the development studios have been split between those platforms they Mm -hmm. finally consolidated them with switch there is no way in heck I could see them wanting to go back to that split model right that just demands so much more resources from your development teams to keep mm, yeah. the pipeline fed especially given the complexity of modern games right or, yeah, right like uh i think that's why the things seem a little bit dry on the switch in the last couple of years i mean they're still putting out stuff but it's just they they kind of blew their load early if you will they mm-hmm. had a lot of good stuff in development and they were it strategically aligned with when the switch launched so they mm-hmm. were able to just get all that stuff out pretty fast and then those teams all went back to the drawing board and it's time to build something new right yeah uh, and i'm sure now it makes me think if they have a new console hopefully in the works for next year uh you would imagine that they've been building stuff up in the background you know tears of the kingdoms hitting switch but what else do they got yeah what, what what's in store for mario that kind of thing
0: right uh, yeah so
2: mario odyssey showed up kind of right at before the switch launched as like a reveal thing right uh and we haven't seen much else from them that's truly original I would suspect that the Bowser's Fury add-on that we saw with that uh, 3D World re-release, I wouldn't be surprised if that served as a model for whatever they're doing next, right?
0: Yeah, you could see them, that could have been them experimenting with the idea of a more open world 3D Mario game to see how performance would work, how they could design things and then gauge the public's reception to it, which was overwhelmingly positive, so that's them... Probably using the public as, you know, the guinea pigs of let's see how they go. And Nintendo has done this before. If you go back to even like Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games where they had games like drill dozer with a gyro and then. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden it becomes a standard for the Wii. It's Nintendo likes to openly experiment with ideas, with products, and then they'll design something completely around what was once a gimmick.
2: Yeah. And we're, we're in a great period right now for this though, because you look back, speculating on this stuff is actually fun, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the period before a reveal is actually fun. So let's just take a moment to, to celebrate <laughs> the fact that we're here. There's going to be something more. We don't know exactly what it is yet, but it sure I is think fun so to talk too. about it. I think so too, because
1: <laughs> I mean, look, they have to be thinking if we do, you know, if it indeed is a a switch to or a new switch, that is a new you know a generation leap. Then what is the big thing that is going to entice people to to migrate, right? Um, and I don't want to talk about backward compatibility because that's no. that's another conversation. Um, yes, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you know, you have to come out with some big launch titles and i think they know that right like you mentioned mario john um you
2: know metroid as well metroid
1: maybe. possibly <laughs> you know they have mario kart 8 ready to go on on that system so they can sell another 50 million units all over again um but you know there has to be something there has to be something with this new model that is going to want people to to move to it now People like us, we're going to jump on it immediately because you know we're, course, we're tech yeah. heads and we love the stuff. But mm-hmm. to the average kind of mum and pop that you know has already bought a switch for their kids or whatever, and they have you know a couple of switches in their household, maybe two of them. What is going to be kind of the the determin- deterministic factor that makes them say, "Oh, this is the new the new Nintendo system, so we need to we need to upgrade to this"? Because I don't think yeah. they're going to get into a Wii U situation again because that that was. No that was a thing that, that just happened and will probably never happen again. But I also feel like they must be, they must realize that, you know, whatever is next, they have to get as many people on board as possible. So how do they do that? And I, I guess one way to do that is to, again, I'm talking about Beck and Pat, but having that available so people can upgrade and take their this their library with them. But what do you think, you know, is going to be, the x factor that really makes people jump on board with with new nintendo
2: hardware that is that's actually difficult because fundamentally what what was it about the switch i guess it was that it was just a fascinating device and it had really good games
1: yeah i mean that's that's true right and and it's not it's not rocket science to try to answer it like when the switch was announced, um, it was a hybrid system. People were a little bit like, "Oh, this is this is kind of interesting and from left field." But you're right; they had Mario, they had, they even had Skyrim. Remember? Um, oh yeah. You know, uh, and that was that was a big thing. So, I guess if they have the buy-in from you know some third parties, and I'm sure they do, plus a a strong first-party launch lineup, then that is probably enough for them to to get things moving
2: yeah the, the thing i've been wondering about though is like two of their biggest games on switch mario kart 8 deluxe and hmm. super smash brothers ultimate uh how do you what's the future of those series Ooh,
1: that's the I million mean, dollar question S-
2: smash for instance i kind of feel like smash is over i don't think sakurai has another one in them and where do you even go from that point right and then mario kart i do think you could follow that up with a pretty cool mario kart 9 uh but still mario kart 8 is like the ultimate mario kart in many ways Mm -hmm. so it just it feels like that's going to be a tough question for them to answer now is like how do you evolve that also splatoon i would say splatoon 3 is very good but they've kind of uh it's kind of run its course right it is what it is it's huge in japan but like Mm-hmm. if if can splatoon 4 just be that again or do they have to shake it up like i feel like they're right they same with all the warriors stuff you know they yeah. did like the hyrule warriors on the wii u and then they were able to continue this on the switch and there's so many franchises they've been able to continue but it kind of feels like they're reaching sort of a dead end point and traditionally the upgrade was like new graphics yeah. Uh, but is that going to I don't know <laughs> I, I just I just don't know what they're going to do next yeah it's, if it's just more of the same in terms of hardware right
0: right it feels as though like, they need some new innovations when it comes to game design to some of these iconic franchises like as you mentioned with Splatoon and Splatoon 3 it feels as though when they go to Splatoon 4 you have to you have to introduce a new gameplay mechanic that is exciting and fresh just like well, when Splatoon came out it was such a fresh new take on the genre of something unlike anything we've ever seen and now it's just becoming very
2: iterative. How about how about this? This would be cool. What if the world, the hub world of Splatoon was directly linked to all of matches happening within an instance and you could like just Ooh. see matches happening in other scenes that you could then jump directly to. I don't know. <laughs> just spitballing here. Just imagining what could you do with more hardware power and like just create a more connected uh, mm-hmm. open environment mm-hmm. where you actually see things happening around you instead of everything being segmented
0: yeah uh, if you really yeah, if you make it feel or, like a singular okay, living I world imagine,
2: imagine like uh you're playing some single player levels and like they they have an instance of multiplayer like running in the skybox below you or something i don't know just something <laughs> silly like that
0: i mean but you see just it's fun to dream it is fun to dream i mean even like smash brothers as you brought up I mean, the game is called Smash Brothers Ultimate.
2: Yeah. Where do you where, go
0: beyond that? And right. you look at all those third party characters that they license into this project, it's hard to envision them topping that roster. And that's where it feels as though the next iteration almost has to be a reboot. They have to
2: yeah, it can't just be more Smash the way it's always been. Right. But they then have you to get into a situation something. where if it's not that, the purists are gonna be angry uh like my thought was like, well, I would love to see it transition into full three d movement with a z axis movement like more power stone uh but oh, with smash okay. roster, but I don't think that would fly with the smash people <laughs> they would hate that, so I don't think Nintendo would want to do that risk, and then who would even do it? I don't think soccer eyes up for it, and it's maybe, but I'm sure there's other people within that could graduate to that position, mm-hmm. but then would, would they achieve the same kind of i don't it, smash specifically is a really tough cookie i think i i just yes. don't see how they can keep that franchise going in any way that's new and and pulls in the audience maybe they would just release smash brothers ultimate again <laughs> uh like smash brothers ultimate 4k or something but yeah make it live know, like
0: a live know. service game
2: oh please no <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey that'd be new
2: <laughs> but yeah, that, I mean, it's not doing that.
0: Probably not. But that's that's the thing with like new hardware. is You start thinking of the new ideas they can do for games. And even with the Switch, one of the games that people were really curious about how it was going to evolve and change was Pokemon. And we've <laughs> learned that it has right. evolved in a gameplay sense,
2: which is cool. That type yeah. of gameplay is new and different and they probably couldn't have done that Well, they could have done it on the Wii U, but any prior hardware no. Mm-hmm. Uh, any prior portable hardware, right? But yeah, it's pretty technically junky.
0: Yeah, it's but you had so much, you had so many hopes and dreams of wow, this is going to be the first HD portable Pokemon. We're going to get open world. I mean, I had a friend who was convinced it was going to have visuals that would be comparable to Xenoblade Chronicles X, and I kept and telling him not
2: watch the trailers.
0: Before they went on, he was like, he's like, this is what they're going to look. I'm like, no, they're not. I was like, it's going to look like an, it's going to look like sun and moon, but in HD. I was like, think of like a Tales of game. It's going to look like that. He's like, no, it's definitely going to look like X. And then yeah, the trailers but- came out and he's like, yeah, you were right. It's like, I don't know what <laughs> modern, I was expecting. Modern
2: Tales games look a lot better than Pokemon, though. Let's, let's be honest. You look at Tales of her eyes. It's a. Oh, it looks great. It's generational leaf over Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so he, <laughs> His. Dreams were shattered quite quickly there, but hey, maybe on new hardware. Nope. Don't even say it. Don't say <laughs> it.
2: It, never, it will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> this happens every time.
0: It really does. So <laughs> let's just spitball some hypothetical release windows that we could see Nintendo really bringing out new hardware. You've kind of mentioned you wouldn't be surprised if we saw something in spring of 2024. I mean, I I think I'm going to go a little later where I would say it's probably holiday 2024 or even early 2025.
2: Cause it just comes down to realistic.
0: Yeah. comes down to production and distribution of the dev kits and when they get out there and you know, all those factors. So I'm thinking more along the lines that we still have a solid you know, 20 to 23 months of the switch mm-hmm. remaining. I think that sounds about right to me. That fits. For me. Well, not 20 months, actually more along the lines of like.
1: Yeah, about 20 months. So yeah, I think 20 months is about right.
2: So do you guys remember when we first heard about like a code name for switch when it was called the NX? Is that like, I'm seeing articles going back to 2015 um, referencing NX.
0: Yes, Which that's when thinking. Nintendo put that out in a financial report that they were working uh, on, a next-gen mm. concept known as NX. But we also have to keep in mind, that is when the Wii U was already tanked. In the toilet.
2: Oh, yeah, that's true. They don't they don't really need to do that strategically right now. Appease investors, right? Yeah, yeah. they don't need to be I like... Think that, that's what that was weird. for, clearly.
0: Yeah, it was stay with us. We we have something new coming. <laughs> don't don't desert us yet. We understand this hardware is terrible and we're going to drop it as soon as we can. Yeah, that was just them calming investors and appeasing them. So they don't have to do anything like that this time around. So I do wonder if they're going to go more of that approach that we saw with the switch of we're going to reveal this thing six months before we launch it. Yeah. Which, if it comes out in, you know, spring 2024, we could be seeing it by the second half of this year. If it's closer to the second half of 2024, early 2025, we still have a year and a half before we would potentially hear any official communication. But, you know, obviously there will be reports surfacing once again when dev kits are in hands of developers, be it through sites like McKay or Bloomberg. There they- will be information leaking early. And I guess an adverse effect of this 2023 hardware being canceled is that people are going to approach those reports with some hesitation this time because they're going to say, you were wrong about this. Why would you be right about this one? And as we discussed in the first half of the show, the reporting was accurate. It just ended up being inaccurate due to plans changing. And I know that's an excuse that people are going to say, oh, you're just trying to cover for inaccurate information. But as we also covered, hardware is a very difficult, fluid thing in the industry. It is constantly changing. Plans evolve and hardware is taken back by the console manufacturers. This is not an uncommon practice. It does not make earlier reporting wrong. It's just the nature of the beast.
2: And this would be the next, the first new console under the current leadership, right? Yep. Yes. They've not done this before. So I'd imagine there is, you know, there's plenty of experienced people with the Nintendo, of course, but I think that also has an impact.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think there's going to be like another Giga Leak in like 10 years from now, Giga Leak three or something. And they're (laughs) going to, they're going to uncover this stuff. Like, you know, that there was some hardware because we, we, you know, with Giga Leak one, we saw all these weird prototypes and things that they were doing. Um, And I feel like this kind of stuff will, will eventually surface at some point. You know, there was some type of mid-gen refresh in the works or some type of quote unquote pro model that was being developed. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're right, Nate. I mean, I think we've, we've all heard, we've all heard things, you know, and I mean, there's just so much, there was so much smoke around this that you just, you couldn't just kind of disregard and say this, this is, incorrect but um i am glad that um nintendo has chosen to move forward and come up with what we believe at least is going to be new next generation hardware because it is the right move especially now in as we start 2023 um they really need to focus on on what's next
0: mhm and you know it's going to be interesting to see if they come up with a new concept or if they're going to continue with the hybrid switch model and what do,
1: what do you guys think is going to be? I think it's going to be a hybrid model, but I'm playing it safe as well. But what do you think is is going to happen here?
2: Go ahead, Nate, you um, first.
0: <laughs> I think it's going to retain elements of a hybrid model where it's still going to have like that portability aspect, but I'm not necessarily expecting a one-to-one match of what the switch is, I think there is going to be some differentiating factor mm-hmm. between the two. And what that's going to be, I couldn't even begin to speculate over. Mm-hmm. But I'm not expecting a simple switch. To I am expecting it to be different in some capacity. Yep. Indeed, what the, John, what do you got?
2: Uh, I think it's going to be more switch. Yeah, and probably. you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a continuation of what they've been doing uh but better faster uh-huh know? and it's gonna be designed to i i mean i think the big thing here is that they don't want to lose the third-party support they gained, and they need to make something that is still feasible for developers to target if they're doing you know modern games like current gen only right yeah uh and i think you know th- that means has to be able to support the features of unreal engine five to some degree i mean unreal engine five exists on switch as is but what i mean specifically is it needs to support nanite lumen virtual Mm -hmm. shadow maps all that stuff Mm -hmm. uh to some degree which that is is actually a tall order though because even on steam deck that's uh it's pretty difficult (laughs) right now (laughs) in terms of hitting performance right so but i think it's really important that they get that right because without it it's not good. They also need to make sure that it does at least support 4K TVs properly. I don't expect native 4K games and, and that would be a waste. I'm sure DLSS would make sense given that you know they're partnering with Nvidia presumably, presumably. <laughs> we don't know for sure, but you know, I think we can guess. Uh I'm actually not confident that they'll have hardware ray tracing features though. Whether or yeah. not the SOC supports it, that's one I think. Thing, but whether they I, allow it, mm.
1: right? I, I think it's it's something that they've been playing around with, like in the lab. But as far as final hardware goes, I'm not sure if it's gonna if it's gonna be in there.
2: It's it's such a battery drain. It would yeah. be right. It's a power sucker, and there's no chance it would be. Well, I mean, it is Nvidia, but. I, I'm thinking it wouldn't be able to compete with the actual modern consoles right now, right? And those mm-hmm. are already, while they can do decent ray tracing in the right hands, they're not exactly super performant in that regard. RDNA2 is not excellent at ray tracing, <laughs> it's a right. bit slow. So, but then again, you know, NVIDIA pushes this stuff. I don't, not that I would expect them to actually have like a dedicated RT core on this SC, that would be nuts. Uh, right like they yeah. wouldn't do that yeah i mean that I that's the
0: interesting thing stuff. with it by going like the hybrid model is are we going to have certain features dedicated only when it's docked so let's say it has a limited no. form of ray tracing but it's only mm-hmm. while docked. so mm-hmm. in handheld modes
2: disabled i really think nintendo is a, is opposed to that kind of stuff like i don't think they want to have different versions based on where you're playing Mm. You well, know,
0: developers don't want that.
2: No, exactly. They don't want that yeah. either. Right. Yeah. That would just, just a, be a huge pain.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, we have to disable all these features. But even going
2: back, you know, again, different Nintendo, but talking to folks that worked on the Game Boy Advance, uh, some of them wanted to do different color modes to fit whether you were on a non backlit Game Boy Advance, backlit or side lit model, right? And even that Nintendo would not allow in most cases. Oh, like, man. nope, we don't want that. It's one system, so it's you know. There's a yeah. That that's the
0: thing. There's a lot of a lot of uncertainty and possibility that Nintendo could go with this. So like Nvidia is more than capable of providing, you know, top of the line technology for them. But if it doesn't fit the vision that Nintendo has for the hardware and the type of concept they're going with the hardware, that is what is the determining factor in what we end up getting. So if the hardware is weak, it's not because NVIDIA couldn't provide. It's because of, you know, the specifications that Nintendo had in mind regarding battery life, performance, features, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that laundry list of reasons. But it's exciting times ahead. And I think I think this episode was enlightening and educational as to what happened to this long discussed. Nintendo hardware, we've given a timeline of what was happening and what may have happened to cause Nintendo to change plan. And this was by no means an episode to give excuses. It, this was an episode to explain everything we knew over the last couple of years, corroborate the information through multitude of sources of, you know, of all of our own. And present the conclusion that we've come to of there will be no hardware in 2023 this hardware existed it just will not come to market
2: and if they really pulled off that whole mid-gen refresh thing i'm just curious how well it would have gone because you know different times and all that but they tried Mm -hmm. they tried this with the dsi they tried this with the new 3ds yeah it didn't it didn't go well i would say those are nice improvements to the hardware but in terms of actually making use of like the the better uh hardware in the new 3ds for instance barely anything touched it right which is a shame because it's pretty capable
0: yeah it was never really fully utilized it only
2: becomes utilized when you uh use homebrew yep you can overclock Mm -hmm. that bad boy for everything (laughs) But uh, okay, that's probably enough of that stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's another episode topic one day.
0: But <laughs> well, with that, we can go into some of the stream labs questions for the week. And our first one comes from South Coast Horizon who donated $2 and they write, "In my honest opinion, or in my opinion, what's the best GTA game. What's your favorite GTA protagonist? Been doing a deep dive on the series, and you can see the ambition progress through game to game up to GTA Online. It's a shame Rockstar stopped development of newer games. High ambitions. What do you guys got? I, I have one, but
1: I want to hear what you guys have. Uh, I mean, probably Vice City. I mm. I'm a big fan of Nico Bellic from GTA Four, personally.
2: Well, yeah he was pretty good i liked him i mean it's hard to deny the best protagonist is probably the guy from grand theft auto london 1969 but i <laughs> uh, might have to go with some uh <laughs> dang yeah i actually i did like nico Bellic. that was a cool take on that and that that was a good time i think i did enjoy that that, that, that was that was the game has its faults for sure, but I think it's uh, underappreciated for what it delivered. And yeah, I didn't really like GTA Four. Oh, I can understand, uh, but I think it's a neat game that was really ambitious, mm. and I will forever love it for its initial reveal trailer. With didn't the like getting spammed
1: with phone calls asking to go play tennis, go
2: bowling. So that's one of the flaws.
0: <laughs> one of them. One of them but i mean from the early rumors we have on gta 6 it's sounding very ambitious it's sounding as though with the protagonist it's going a new path so i better am better very excited about what they're going to do with that game
2: if it was anything less than super ambitious i would be disappointed because they've made so much money on that darn gta yeah. 5 like come on you yeah i mean how many investing the heck out of this
0: how many copies has that sold now like 125 million
2: it's sold more than most consoles yeah <laughs> Then
0: had a question from Jackie G who donated a dollar and they write as of this moment, who do you personally believe has the most appealing lineup of new releases for 2023 out of the big three? As of this moment, I'm going to have to say Xbox. I would agree.
1: As of this moment, as of January
0: the 17th, I would say Microsoft because you have Forza, Redfall, Starfield, compared to sony which at this point has horizon expansion and spider-man 2 and nintendo is sitting there with fire emblem tears of the kingdom and potentially pikmin 4 i'd have to give the nod to microsoft
2: yeah i feel like as of january this year microsoft definitely has the best lineup in terms of the most potential games to release However, that is
1: only a state of play or a Nintendo direct away. And we've changed our minds.
2: No, you're absolutely right. (laughs) But I feel like the thing here, though, is especially Sony released a lot of games last year. Nintendo released some. Microsoft basically released nothing. Right. Right. This stuff has been building up to release. And 2023 has some big games confirmed. And I would hope that there's still stuff that will hopefully maybe get a date late this year. We'll see. I'm still wondering what's up with uh, Hellblade 2, given that it was like the first game review for this new generation. Uh, My guess is that, you know, they've just simply upped the scale significantly, which Mm kind of goes against how the original game was designed to be created, which was like AAA on a budget on a smaller scale. I think they're probably just going full on AAA this time.
1: It seems like it. Plus, don't forget they engine swapped it to UE5 from 4, which I would think the amount of technical debt that they had to figure out there would be significant. So I can see why it's taken them so long. But I also expect that Hellblade 2 will get a date in the second half of this year. I hope
2: so. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be a showpiece, though, I think. I think this is the first year where... This is also the first year where Microsoft has a bunch of stuff that's only for the new consoles and PC. Like they're yes. finally dropping the boat anchor. The VCS is yeah, It's dead. It needs to be. That's great. Uh, like, I love that. Starfield was already struggling in those trailers, so I cannot imagine <laughs> how that would look and run on an Xbox Careful. One, which I'm sure it was in development for at one point. They'll, they'll but, come uh, for you, John,
0: if you say good that. Lord, dude. They'll come for you. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> I think I think Microsoft wants to position Hellblade Two as kind of their answer to God of War Ragnarok. Some yeah, expecting big things from it.
2: It's it's their take on on a Sony cinematic game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which Xbox doesn't actually have much of and never really yeah. has, right? The closest mm-hmm. thing they've had to that is Gears. Yeah. That's still kind of its own thing. Hellblade two is definitely looks like it's gonna be one of those cinematic experiences, so which is great. Glad they got one.
0: Looking forward to it. Hopefully we see it in June and get a release date by then. Then had a $4 and seven cent donation from Terrence and they write, it's great to hear you again in 2023 and I'm wishing all the best for you. Thank you. Do you think the Super Mario movie's reception after release will entice Nintendo to add voice acting in the next 3D Mario game? Jack Black as Bowser and Galaxy 3 would be awesome.
2: No. No, no. I don't think so. <laughs> it's going to continue to be, at least for Charles Martin Eclipse, and yeah. then inevitably it'll become AI versions, generated versions based on Charles Martin's work. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> the the dark future is here.
1: Breaking that Chat
0: GPT. Yep. Done. <laughs> 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 then had a dollar donation from NX ninety three. Writes, hope you are doing well, mate and MVG. So I have three questions. If it's okay, question one: Is there any new info on GameCube coming to NSO this year? There is not. It was something I was hearing whispers of last year, but nothing really substantial enough that I considered yeah. to be credible enough to validate the information. It would be a nice addition if it were ever to happen, but I've nothing just to, to suggest to that, it will.
1: And I've said this before, but I feel like GameCube. I mean, we already know a GameCube emulator exists because Nerd has developed one. I mean, that's yeah, you exactly know, Sunshine um, is is obviously a. A thing. There are other GameCube ports as well. I don't think that GameCube on the NSO service um, is something that's going to happen. I think we're just going to see specifically um, specific versions of GameCube releases brought forward. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Yeah, yeah. Whether whether they're emulated or um, remasters or whatever they are, I I couldn't say. But you know,
2: that's realistically what's left. Yeah, exactly. What's left. Exactly. At least the stuff that, you know, right. maybe they could work out some third-party deals, but I feel like there's not enough there on the GameCube. I mean,
1: there's that, obviously things like Eternal Darkness and stuff that they could consider. I don't think they'd ever touch it again. But yeah, there's a part of me that feels like that that's more of a, a hopes and wishes thing than than anything else.
2: I mean, there's a lot of great stuff on the GameCube, but it's either already been kind of re-released elsewhere or it's the kind of game that they probably wouldn't touch in that capacity like love it or hate it i would love to see uh metal gear solid the twin snakes like uh Uh, released and improved because i'd like to see you know it it has performance issues uh that would be cool i would love Mm -hmm. to see that but you know things like mario kart and smash brothers people would probably enjoy that but you know they have mario kart 8 and smash brothers ultimate which is kind of competing with it in a way and you know, they could do Luigi's Mansion, but they already I mean put that on three DS. I don't think they would re-release it again like that. Right. Right. There's all these rumors about Metroid Prime HD, so that would probably be its own standalone thing.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh the Pikmin games. Uh <laughs> botan Kaitos. That yep. would be nice. Uh oh, Billy and the Giant Egg. Oh, Billy Hatcha? No. Yeah. Billy Hatcher. Yeah. I'll take that. Giant egg, Billy Hatcher's adventure. <laughs> hey, if I can get
0: Beautiful Joe in HD or even on a virtual console NSO type solution, I would take Beautiful Joe.
2: Super Monkey Ball got that re release. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. So There's it, just a lot of stuff that's either been re released in different forms or or just doesn't warrant firing up the service for it. I mean, you know, I would love to see Skies of Arcadia Legends on there. The, but yeah. again, would we? No, probably right. not. No, Paper Stego. Mario thousand year door. <laughs> that would be a great one to put on there. That's probably one of the best candidates. But again, I just don't see it happening.
0: See, like with Paper Mario thousand year door, I almost feel as though Nintendo is aware of its pedigree, its legend. So if yeah. they wanted to bring it to switch, it would just be a $60 HD remaster.
2: It would be its own thing for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. And then the question two is. Could Zelda Wind Waker Twilight Princess launch in 2023, despite Tears of the Kingdom? I would go into this year expecting only Tears of the Kingdom.
1: Yes. Yeah. There's one Zelda game and it's Tears of the Kingdom.
2: That just doesn't make sense strategically. Whether Mm, they have that ready to go or not, this is not the year for it. Right.
0: And then question three is, do you believe the reports that there is no major title left in 2023? Major title is really up to your own interpretation of what you quantify as a major game. If Pikmin 4 is a major release to you, then no, there's still major releases to come. If yep. Metroid Prime Remaster is a big release to you, there's still big games to come. It's all up to what you consider a big release. That comment was more made to mean there's no new Splatoon game, there's no new. Zelda game beyond Tears of the Kingdom as terms of big releases. So Nintendo's top of the shelf type releases. There's still be plenty of quality games. And if the IP is important to you, then there's still big releases to come. You said it. <laughs> and that was the final Streamlabs question for this week. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs. In our description below, donate any dollar amount, ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more. We will dedicate the episode to you. And with that, I'd like to thank John for joining us this episode.
2: Anytime. I'm always uh, happy to join you
0: guys. It's always a pleasure having you here and talking with you. Thank you. Yeah, I'd like to thank MVG for joining me, as always.
1: Thanks, as always, Knight. And John, always great to chat with you. Thanks for being our guest today. Most definitely. Of course. It was awesome.
0: And if you enjoy this episode, be sure to give the video a like. If you didn't, give it a dislike. Let us know your thoughts on today's episode in the comments section below. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.